Hello, everybody. We are live um, with Sunday Story Hour with my friend Shannon Kinney Dew. Did I say do right? You sure did. My my mother in law says it's do on a good day, duh on a bad day. <laughs> I love that. Day. <laughs> love that. Okay. So, um, okay. So I just realized I did not close the door to my room. So I'm going to go do that when I turn it to you to talk because that's going to be a bad thing to leave open. But I just wanted to say my friend Shannon is a 4-6 manifester, splenic manifester. And we met at um, the International Human Design Conference last year. So a year later than when I told you guys all, I met Kelly and Ellen. And we really only met briefly but somehow in our talking, I remember that we realized how similar your chart, your design is to my daughter's. And that caused like a real connection for me because I was like, ooh, here's someone grown up that has very similar energy and I can learn a lot from you. So, and meanwhile, I've just discovered that I um, I just love everything of about what you're doing. It's just so cool. And recently I, for the first time, listened to one of your podcasts and I got so excited to hear your correct manifester informing voice just very naturally saying, this is what I'm doing. This is what I need you to do. And it was just so strong and powerful, but beautiful. It wasn't like, uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people think of that manifester voice. And so I want to give you a second to introduce yourself. I am listening. So you go. I'm going to shut my door. Uh, well, thank you for that introduction. And yes, um, Kathy and I met real briefly as I was walking out the door and it was an impactful meeting. It was wonderful. And, you know, I love that you use the term powerful and yet gentle in a way that's kind of has been um, me stepping more into my design. So I'm a holistic life coach and intuitive human design guide. I'm also getting um, certified in, as a flower essence practitioner that we might talk about later. And I am a yoga and meditation teacher, all the things. I have the sixth line. So I've, <laughs> I've spent a lot of my life experimenting and learning along the way, but I, um, you know, just the background story is that I never believed in myself. I didn't think I was creative. I didn't think I was good at anything. And, you know, that's been a journey of self-discovery. And a big part of my life's work is women's empowerment and, and being a guide for that self-discovery journey to find out that we all are creative. We all have gifts to share. And that's just a huge passion of mine. So that's a, a little short introduction. I don't think I'm grown up yet, <laughs> but I um, I definitely feel more in alignment with my design for sure. So, yeah. Now in the introduction, like the notes, the heading for this live, I did put a link to where I posted your video before because I still have not figured, I mean, not your video, your chart before, because I still have not figured out a way to share it in the live that doesn't take away from people. A lot of people watch this on their phone and I don't want them to be like having us be this big because I think it's really important to feel into it and not get too intellectualized. But I realize there are some of us who like to really look at the dynamics of all that. But um, the thing that, ah, there goes my phone. <laughs> I'm having one of those mornings. It's okay though. 
It's okay. Um, it's raining. We're in this yes. together. We're going to yes, we are. play um, around. <laughs> right. Exactly. I thought I had it all propped up perfectly and it's falling all over the place. Okay. There we go. So um, I am really interested in hearing about how you found human design and what it meant for you to learn about this manifestor energy you carried. And when, if you can kind of take us back to when that was, what you were going through and what it meant to you. So human design found me, you know, that's the truth. And when I think about what the steps before, before that, what I've gone through, you know, 20 years ago, I discovered yoga and became a certified yoga teacher. And I, and I taught all over and I thought, gosh, this is my home. I felt very at home in that environment. And I noticed how much I loved astrology. I loved the way people think and work, personality tests. I loved all that stuff. I loved and still do the energy centers or chakras as we call them. And I just dove deeply for 20 years in all of those healing modalities. So when human design came into my life, I was already doing energy work and a friend of mine, a projector, emailed me. And this was about four and a half years, five years ago, which is so crazy to me because I'm sure we're all seeing like how explosive human design really is becoming. And back then, even four and a half, five years ago, no one in my circles knew anything about it. So she introduced me to it. And at first I wasn't really resonating. I don't, I don't know if I didn't, I didn't, the name human design just didn't speak to me but she wanted to do a reading for me. And I'm like, sure. I saw that it had astrology, all those things that I love so much. And the first reading didn't really, it kind of went over my head a little bit, but once I started to learn about it, I mean, that's just when I, the obsession grew and grew and grew. And I, you know, um, I, one of the things that was really powerful for me is I am a mom to three boys and we have four of the five energy types in our immediate family. So I'm married to a man, Jen. I'm a manifester. My oldest is a generator. My middle is a projector and my youngest is a manifester. And when I found out about human design, prior to that, I used to say, Grayson's my youngest manifester. God, I'd love to be Grayson for a day. I just would love to be Grayson for a day. I used to say that because I just admired his natural leadership and the way he'd speak up in, in, in the classroom, even though it wasn't the popular opinion. I just, I loved his spunk and I could see how people wanted to try to control that or squash that, or he just was different than the other grandkids in our family. Like it just stood out to me. And so then I'm like, oh my God, I am Grayson, <laughs> right? I'm a lot like Grayson. And so practicing human design with my own family was the first step before using it with my coaching clients. And it has been, you know, just an, an amazing experience ever since. Yeah. It's funny how, um, how for especially women, how many of us really come to human design through the idea of trying to understand our relationships better. Right. Yes. And I guess, you know, that's a really human thing that we all want to um, be in better relationships. So that's just a human part of our tribal circuitry and stuff. But um, it was interesting as you were saying this about your son, like I just kept thinking is, uh, so he, this is an, a, a manifester who has not been conditioned yet. And yes. 
interesting that you were able to really embrace that and love that. Whereas I was terrified by that part of my daughter because as a projector who didn't know human design and was very much in like an area where I already felt like a square peg in a round hole in a very conservative area, I felt like, oh, I was going to be judged and not recognized, not accepted because I couldn't control my child. Mm, Huge. I mean, right. Yes. You're bringing back flashbacks of when I used to drop my other boys off at school. And I, I, if he got mad, he's an emotional manifester as well. And if he'd get mad, I mean, sometimes he'd run out of my car and run through traffic. Like it was like, who is this child? Like it had to really learn, you know, and now he's older and, um, we, we all see how he has to express himself through words, but it's just, it has helped our relationships so much. And you're absolutely right. When I looked at him in kindergarten, it flashed me back to kindergarten. And I was like that in kindergarten. And then I started going through school and I started getting quiet. And I started, you know, that people please pleaser and really like, you know, trying to get the good grades and like just kind of like hide a little bit. And so it was really powerful to me for me to work on myself through the eyes of, of him going through those same school years, you know, and um, understanding that manifestor en- energy so I can parent him differently. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's huge. So, um, okay. So your friend told you about human design. You learned that you were a four, six splenic manifestor. So your son's an emotional manifestor. You're um, open emotional solar plexus. So that's a different dynamic there because you still have that whole thing going on. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering if that might be a little bit of what you could admire too, because he was probably more comfortable with his emotions than you had been. True. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Yes. Being able to speak it in the moment, you know, as opposed to, and I really do, once I found out about my design, I, you know, my parents were generators, my siblings are man gens, my husband's a man gen. So I was definitely conditioned more as a generator, a man gen type. And, um, and we all, you know, that emotional open center, it was like, oh, let's not rock the boat here. Let's kind of watch how we, let's think about this first mm-hmm. <laughs> before I say anything. Right. And right? So that was definitely something he does. There's no thinking before speaking. It's just, <laughs> yeah. The, the informing probably comes more natural to him than. Yes, for sure. Yes. And yeah. And then learning, you know, about my splenic authority, it was also like, wow, I used to really hesitate before making decisions and really, let me think about it. I was really acting more like I had an emotional wave and, um, gosh, that practice of being more in tune with my, you know, I call them my splenic pings, my spleen, you know, when it just like happens, um, that has also been, been really transformative for how I inform and how I operate and how I let my intuition guide me. I want to back up for a minute because I do know that there are a lot of really new people in the group who have very little knowledge of any of what we're talking about. So I just want to say some basic stuff like manifestors are only 9% of the population. And a manifestor means that the way your energy centers are defined, you have a motor which is not the sacral. The sacral, defined sacral makes a person either a generator or a manifesting generator that's consistent 
reliable life force energy, but you have a motor that is either the will, the emotional solar plexus, or the root, or some combination of that connects with, you could draw a line from that defined center through a defined set of channels or channel that will get to the throat. And if the human design was a video game, getting the getting the energy from a center to the throat, that's always how we win. That's how we manifest. That's how things, be, you know, in the beginning there was the word and the word became reality or flesh, whatever it is. Everything comes from first it's spoken or thought as an idea and a word. So the manifester has this direct course and the manifester is here to get things started, right? So it, um, in human design, traditional human design teaches that the manifestor aura is this, um, what's the, what is the expression they use that sounds so awful? Um, oh, it's try not repelling. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to use that. Have a repelling aura, like, oh, that's a fun thing to learn about <laughs> yourself, right? But what that means is it pushes energy out. It does not you know, the generator types are 70% of the planet and they kind of are big hug at hug. They bring in all the energy and envelop it. But yours pushes things out of the way, which is getting things started. It's mutative, like let's get the ball rolling kind of energy, right? So of course you're um you're rolling this ball down the middle of the road. You gotta tell people so they get out of the way and you don't just run them over, right? Right. So this is, and your motor to the throat, you have, you have the will, which goes indirectly from the throat to your spleen through this channel that goes across the 2644 and then goes up through this channel of channel of power skills, right? Isn't that what they call the 1648? I'm so bad at remembering. Um, I know. See, well, we have the open head. I don't, I think it's right. the wavelength. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the traditional name for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's the gate of power skills and the gate of depth. So it's all this, you have this splenic energy that comes in between your motor, right? So you have this will energy that goes down to the spleen. So your spleen is super, super important in your design. So what was that like for you learning to trust that awareness center as your power comes through it? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that was a, I'm not supposed to ask manifestors direct questions like that. I'm wondering what it was like to have that. Oh, well, great. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel, um, as an example, this conversation, you know, years ago, I would have really prepared for it. I would have, you know, thought through what I want to know the questions and I want to be really ultra prepared. And over the years and with practice and trust, um, I really do, when I'm in a zone, when I'm in the right space and feeling grounded, I speak from my heart. I speak from my instincts. I speak from my intuition. Mm -hmm. And so when I get, you know, aligned with that, I it's so much better for me than to try to remember, <laughs> I can't remember things, remember something or, you know, really prepare because then it's not authentic to me. It's not genuine. It's not coming from my, my instincts, my heart, my, what do I feel in the moment? 
And so it's been liberating that way because I have practiced and continue to practice. It doesn't mean that I don't get nervous or I don't, you know, visualize or do things to help me ground. But, but it, you know, when I'm tuned in, uh, it's a, it's a really powerful thing. So I, I practice meditation before I go to sleep and that's my time to decompress and kind of go within and really tune in to that splenic energy. Right. Oh, there I am. Oh, there I am. And, okay. you know, it's just, that's, that's my reboot. That's my, you know, okay, because I do have so many open centers and I have to really watch what am I collecting throughout the day. And um, so it's been very helpful for me, especially as you just commented, like with my podcast, being able to speak in the moment with some authority, but also gentleness. I love that because it's um, that that comes naturally to me. And I'm able to do that more effortlessly than before, which I did have to decondition, you know, do people even want to hear me? You know, when you talk about like the repelling aura, like that was a core wound for me growing up was rejection and people don't like me. I'm too much for people, those kinds of things really. Um, and I can expand on that, but that's, that's been a journey of healing for me. I think that people would like to hear you um, expand on that because um, as the mother of, like, I'll get emotional thinking about this, the just BS that my daughter dealt with because she's a lot, you know, she's got a really strong presence. And I know when I read, um, or not read, I was listening to Karen Curry Parker in the initial trainings about the manifester. And she talked about someone in their family that when they are, um, she remembers like it was Thanksgiving or something. And this person will just be sitting at the table. And when that person gets up and leaves the table and doesn't say, Hey, I'm just going to go check on the, whatever or I'm going to get some salt. Everybody will look around like, what did we do? Why did she leave? Was it, was it what you, was what I, you know, like everybody like takes it on because there's such a, strong presence to their energy that it feels so strong when it leaves that if you haven't informed what you're doing. And so when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, I'm always making up stories of what's going on with my daughter because when she left the room and didn't say anything, I've decided she's mad, she's upset, she's lying about something, she's hiding something. She, you know, whatever it was, I would just make up a reason why she did it when all it was was she was going to go lay down because she needed to get away right. from everybody else's energy. Right. So, um, in, in great, in, you know, middle school is horrible for all girls, right? I think it's horrible for everybody, but for all girls and middle school wasn't that bad, but by the time she, I mean, it was bad. Mm. By the time she got to high school, there was so many, so many situations where bec with her open solar plexus, Mm -hmm. And her not informing because she didn't want to have the emotional confrontations, right? Yes. It caused so many problems. And I I mean, and, and then me, I'm just like, as a mom, just like, you know, you want to fix everything, but you can't. So, Well, that's such a powerful story to share because as a manifester, we don't see that 
we have that effect on people until you hear these kinds of stories. And so it is absolutely true that in our space, like we just want to have peace. Like that really is a true statement. I feel that like, I, why does anyone care what I'm doing? Like, that's really true. And so it's interesting when, when, you know, I have a projector son and, and he's highly creative. And sometimes he dives deep into making movies on his iPad. And if I just walk in the room, you're reminding me, I really need to like, inform him more because he'll just be like, I'm almost done. <laughs> like he just right? has this reaction to me before I've even seen him. Like he does feel that energy. But backing up, like when I was a kid, you know, part of my story is I remember specifically at a sleepover and sleepovers, you know, in the eighties, like this was just disaster waiting to happen anyway. And I, I was always that kid that was the mediator, which is funny to me because I was doing my life's work before I knew it. <laughs> but I, kids would, the girls would fight and someone's crying and then someone's over here and I would go in between the two and say, okay, let's work this out. But one particular sleepover, I was asleep or I was, they thought I was asleep and several of the girls started talking about me and saying all the things they listed in my memory, they listed all the things they didn't like about me. To the point where it was so painful, I had to get up and I started to cry and I went to the bathroom and, you know, I've been, I work with the emotion code. That was a memory that came up this past year, which I thought was really interesting. The core wound of rejection that I've really worked on. But that I think was a beginning for me. Like what we've talked about with my son, he is starting to get some of that. He's playing soccer with the neighbor kids and he comes back and he'll say things like, you know, an older middle school girl will say, I don't like your attitude. And he's like, well, I don't like your attitude. And it, and it's just an interesting thing there, the way they're learning how to talk to each other. But I'm hearing a lot more um, irritation maybe with the manifester that, that I'm just kind of, you know, watching. We don't know we have that effect, you know? And so that can be very painful when you mm-hmm. um, think people don't like you. And then yes, going through up to eighth grade, that's where I was like, mm, I'm just going to like do what the teacher says, do the extra credit, work really hard. You know, my mom used to joke that she'd have to tell me to stop doing my homework. I was that kind of (laughs) kid. Like, I'll just, I'll just, you know, do really good here and not rock the boat, you know? And so, um, so I don't have a lot of bullying stories, but definitely that feeling of like, why don't they like me? And, and I'll give another example because I thought this was really powerful for me to learn. And I think somebody else might enjoy hearing this. There was, I became such a reader of people because of the way they respond, you know? And so as an example, if I felt I was too much for people, I would notice an exhale. And sometimes I'd see people just like, you know, that exhale, like in my perception, I'm thinking, oh God, I'm too much for them. They're done with me. They want me to stop. And I told my husband that one day and I said, you know, I just feel like everyone exhales when they're with me and just like, you know, she's, she's too much. And he said, you know, what I see is that you provide a safe space for people to be their true selves. What if they're exhaling for the first time ever, because they're like, I can be myself here. Wow. I mean, chills. To me, I was like, he's a keeper. <laughs> he's high. Yes. I mean, he's intuitive and he, he knows me and he sees me. 
Mm-hmm. And one of my gifts as a life coach and a guide is that I people feel that from me. I do see you and I do feel you. And I don't have to read your size anymore, but I can inform you and then trust that, you know? So that's part of where I'm at now. It's like everyone has their right to sigh and their sigh can be like, oh God, she's too much. Or, oh my God, yes. But I can be myself and not have to read into the sigh and not change myself because of it, except inform, right? Except be kind, except give other people a space to talk. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's that's that was huge. So I don't have to read the the, the sighs, which is really powerful. Decide. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I just read an article about how important sighing is. I mean, it's it regulates your nervous system. So if you think about it, let's all take an exhale together. Right? It's a pause that we all need. So it's a beautiful thing to sigh if you're not internally going, why don't they like me? Right. Human design taught me that I don't have to be liked by everyone and I can still be my true self. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge for me too. Like the whole idea of fractals, like at first it just sounded like a way for people to discount people and be like, yeah, they're not on my fractal. But when you like human design teaches that all these, you know, we have these crystals, the crystals of consciousness, the design crystal, the personality crystal, they're all um, they were all together as one. And then during like the big bang, when they all split apart there, they split along lines. And so the, the lines, the fractal lines that they split on are the people that we are most drawn to and meant to connect with. So when we are meeting someone who's not on our fractal line, there's not that same resonance that there is when we're meeting people who are on our fractal line. And so it's meant to be, uh, just a clue where you can say, oh, this is not, this, it doesn't negate their value or their, their worth. It means it is something that they are, you know, they're, they're just not necessarily meant to be here with you. And so it just makes everything less personal. And that's been huge for me when all that projector wounding, and I'm seeing some um, agreement in some of the comments. We do have few people here watching live with us. And so that's fun. And I just want to say hi. And if you do have um, questions, make sure you put them in there and I'll try to look at it at time to time. And I'm trying to get better about not being so focused on one thing versus, you know, on the chat. So I might miss something, but I'll go back before we stop. I, um, I have so many things I want to talk to you about. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting was um, when we were talking on uh, our little pre pre talk that we did this week about what to talk about, and I asked you since um, you're four six, and I know you're on the roof, and I was like, "Oh, when's Chiron?" And you're like, "Oh, I'm only forty eight. It's two years yet." And I was like, "Well, it's not always right at fifty. And we looked, and your Chiron return is July eighteenth or something like that, right? So you're like in the meat of it now, and you didn't even know it. And so then we started looking at it for a second, and your Chiron is gate 51, which is funny because we have had two different, I've only done three of these before you. And in two of them, we wound up talking about gate 51. Hmm. So gate 51 is on the will center and you have a defined will center. 
And it points towards the identity center and you have an open identity center. And gate 51 is known as the gate of shock. And I'm telling people this more so than I am you. Um, But it's also known in quantum human design as the gate of initiation because it is all about getting things started. And so I just was kind of blown away as here you are a manifester. Manifestors are here to initiate, to get things going. And your wound, your Chiron wound that you're meant to heal is about initiating. And I know you've done a lot of work on that already, but generally speaking, Chiron is when you're going to get the, like kind of ring out the last of that sort of stuff. And I'm wondering if since we spoke about that, if you've given any more thought to that concept and just how you feel about that in general. Well, I'm trying not to panic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And no, I feel a lot of sparks that I've initiated over even the last couple of months, you know, I'm very in tune with nature. And so I kind of like hole away in the winter. And as soon as winter, you know, when we were in spring energy, I just felt this like, Ooh, things are happening and just this preparation for this. So it's interesting because I have felt a lot of sparks happening. And I know when you and I talked, it's like, it's a great reminder for me to continue just uh, reflecting and observing, um, if I, ha- you know, the old tendency of having to follow through, having to finish, having to trudge through things, because my joy and my love is the spark. I love the spark. And when I was a kid, I even used to say that, like, gosh, if there's a job where I can just tell people my ideas <laughs> and just like have them go do it, that would be my dream. You know, so I was in tune with some of that already. I um I have been sparking some things that I feel excited about. And so yeah, I'm going to just continue to not be afraid to lean into the discomfort, to pay attention to that and um see what happens. The other day I heard the term inclusive leadership and that really spoke to me because I've been very called to bring groups of women together. I host women's retreats. But this is more about women just stepping into their power or wanting to step into their power, or having a big dream to bring into the world. You know, you know what you're doing with this circle of women in the space is we just there's great power when we come together to support and honor each other and celebrate what we're doing in this world. And so there is something with that that I've already been starting. And, you know, I'm just going to continue to trust that whatever lesson next I need to learn is obviously I can't hide from it. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and I was thinking too, because in your design, you have that open route, right? Um, which, you know, you, the open route can feel a lot of pressure to do, 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 right? Yes. Yes. And And the open head then is like, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. Yes. You know, and it's, they call it the pressure cooker, right? yes. Yes. I mean, if you guys could have seen me before kids. My husband and I were married five years. And just a reminder, he's a man gen and man gens, you know, they're busy and he's a project guy. And I remember telling him, I'm like, um, is our whole life, I don't want our life to be just about projects. Cause it was like his idea of relaxing on the weekend is chainsawing trees and hammering walls. And, you know, and I remember when he would leave the house, I'd be like, talk about exhale. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 
could just like relax. And then I'd see him start to come and I'm like, well, I gotta do something. That energy that I was so like, and he has an open route too. So we're just like always do, 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 right? So I've had to learn how to release that pressure, you know, and really like we talked about what is that 38 and 39? Those are like my most prominent gates on an open route. I, 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 I feel like I'm a tuner in a way and like a musical instrument, right? You just like, you can see the, the orchestra that I, that I dance with in my own family, I, in, in the world. I feel like, oh, I can see the flute section is going good, but the drumming section, you, you know, the manifestors, the drummer, he's in the flute section. Let's like, you know, help everyone tune, right? But if yeah. I did that all the time, I would fry myself out. And that is really, that is too much responsibility for me. And so learning right timing, learning how to tune into what's important for me and how to use that energy and then how to release it. So like I told you, I do morning walks again, it's raining today, so I didn't get to it yet. But that is my way to just like start my day, get, get release that extra energy that, that makes me feel like I should be doing. So then I grounding. can, yes, exactly. Nature is very grounding. So um, you mentioned the 38 and 39. And for those of you who are not, you know, like as I sometimes know that we throw out things and people don't know. On the root, which the root is the square at the base of the chart, there are two gates that point off the sides. One is the 38, one's the 39. The 38 points towards the spleen and the 39 points to the solar plexus. And they are um shannon's personality sun and earth and they're also in my chart i have them and i have lovingly start um referred to them as the one-two punch because in traditional human design one is called the gate of the fighter and the other is called the gate of the um is it provocation right oh okay. gate no no not the gate of revolutionary uh, provocation provocation there you go so it's like, I'm going to provoke you and I'm going to fight you, right? So it's like this, it's so much. And when you have it, I can't even imagine having it on an open route because they're like little antennas, like, and then you take that energy and you amplify it. So I can imagine as a young teenager, maybe, or as a child, even, or even as a young woman, you know, with you add in there open ajnas needing to be certain, open sacrals not knowing when enough is enough. You could be a fun one to get in an argument with, right? <laughs> yes, I think there's been terms. You know, um, probably sound like a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer, so I, you know, I can get really like. <laughs> Every side, I can tell you every, you know, side of every case and here's why kind of a thing for sure. Right. Um, yeah. And I always felt, you know, when you're bringing me back, you know, I did, I did lean into the like, I want everyone to like me. So I was definitely more like, oh, I'll, you know, but, but if it was something that mattered and it, um, I typically was that person of like, you can't tell me what to do. Like, you know, and that mm -mm, there's no, there's no seeing it that way. And then if you're going that way, I'm going this way. Like that, that has always been a, a kind of a consistent pattern for me. If they're going that way, there's probably a different path that I'm going to try to right do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. 
So those two gates that you have on your personality, sun and earth, are half of what you are what's called um, your incarnation cross is the right angle cross of tension. And that's the same cross my daughter has. And um, tell me how you have learned to understand what that means to have that cross. Well, and I'm not sure, like I said, I don't remember all the names, but I feel like it's called now the gate of, or the cross of renewal, I believe. Um, maybe. It might be. But because the tension, yeah, I mean, some of those words, yes, don't speak to me. Um, I think it's a lot of what I just said, which is that kind of tuner mentality, but also like a, not shying away from things that are important to me, you know? And I think also the the fighter now, she calls it the visionary. Right. And I love that because that speaks so much more to how I operate. I see a vision that this could be so different. You know, my one of my worth fighting for is like, I want everyone to feel in tune with their authentic self. And I want them to have the freedom to live that and discover their true gifts so they can share that with the world. That to me is worth fighting for. And I have a vision that we can all live in a world that we, that inclusive leadership, that we can draw in people and celebrate them instead of compete with them, that we can collaborate and raise each other up. That's how I'm using that energy now, leaning into the visionary of it. And the provocation, at first, I really shied away from that word because you're absolutely right. I mean, who wants to be provoked? It's like, <laughs> but doing it in the right timing, that's the practice, yes. right? Yes. That's the practice. So I, yeah, I'm not going to just come and like, you know, flip your books out of your hand once <laughs> I walk by you. <laughs> Although my daughter had done that in sixth grade, she got in trouble for that. Exactly. She deserved it, honestly. You know, she so. had to release that tension. That's part of her nature, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Set them straight. Okay, so I will say though that um, the cross of tension name. I sometimes think there is some beauty to being able to recognize yourself when you're not in that great place. Because you know, you came to human design when you were already in a really good spiritual place. A lot of people find it when they're feeling really not so great about themselves. So being able to recognize that, why do I create so much tension, right? Yes. Because creating this tension, especially as a manifester, like if you think about, there are so many things in your chart that could explain why you feel like you're just, that whole idea of feeling too much and feeling like, you know, why do people push back? So because you're here, this tension is... um Oh, Ellen, I have to just read. Ellen Hefty just said, your vision brought tears to my eyes. I can't wait for it to come true. Aww. Hi, Ellen. Thank you. But this idea that, you know, this, the cross of tension is, especially as the manifestor, you're just here to push us to be our best, right? Yeah. So your vision fits in that so nicely. Awesome. Um, but when you were younger, and you were learning how to manage all this other energy you were taking in. It could have been really like just pushing back on everything. Yeah, I think so. But I also think I turned that that energy inward. I think that I um, I spent so much of my youth, anyways, like especially like high school age, figuring myself out in a in a 
consumed by doubt and self-doubt and like, I'm really intuitive or am I? And it was that kind of energy that I think, um, so Yes. I mean, my mom has stories, I'm sure, you know, of me, like I would try out for things. This is her big story. I try out for something, you know, I wouldn't make it. I try out for the play. Let's say I I didn't make it. I come home. I'm never trying out for anything again. Slam the door, release the tension. (laughs) Next day, I think I'm going to do yearbook club. That was my, that was how I used that energy. But I still, um, you know, felt uh, I think I just, I tried to bottle that up and I, and I used to, my, my mantra was what's wrong with me, you know, what's wrong with me. And you're absolutely right to see that tension as a gift now is it's so, I loved your visual at the beginning when you were talking about how, you know, generators tend to like draw in. Like we say that with my, my oldest, he, he, he's a magnet. We just want to like, Ooh, lean into him. That energy of pushing out to like inspire, to create a little tension, because why else would we move out of the way if we didn't have some tension? Why else would we grow? Why else would we, why else are we here really if we don't have some of that tension? So I like that you spoke that in your beautiful projector way, because I will embrace that. And to me, when I think of myself as a tuner in this world, instruments don't play well without tension, right? We have to tune our guitar. It has to have tension to sound good. <laughs> so in that sense, that is a really um, a great gift to be able to share. So I'm grateful for it. But yes, it's not always, it doesn't win friends all the time. <laughs> if I'm not, if I don't watch myself, just, you know, pay attention to that. So but you do have such a beautiful energy about you and and you make such beautiful art. If anybody has not gone to her website yet, and I did put a link in the original um of event um your your watercolors of the flowers i mean they're just you have any do you have anything near you i didn't think to ask you to bring something handy i'd love to for people to see um you know she's got some great videos on um her instagram that show some of her beautiful artwork and it's um and i i hope you take this the right way it's very simple artwork it's just beautiful (laughs) colors it's just gorgeous right Stay wild. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. one of them. And um, it's just beautiful, beautiful colors, right? And then what's that one say? I forgot. Uh, be you, be free. You be free, yes. You know, um, yes. And I, going back to not believing in myself, you know, I, I did Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way over, right. 20, over 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I've done it a few times. But, you know, that was a life-altering book for me. Um, when I told you Yoga Found Me, it was around the same time. Both of her book, her book and then Yoga taught me, I am not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I am not these thoughts that think I'm not good enough. I am not these thoughts that think I'm not creative. I am not these thoughts that think I'm not worthy or enough. And you know, my art is a healing. I've always used creativity as a, as a healing modality. Art and journaling are the two, because I love anything that you can have in your hands and lean into. So for me and my clients and the women I work with, when you have a pen and a, and a journal as your friend and you can spill, 
and you can doodle with some colors and you can draw with your opposite hand or draw with your eyes closed, you start to go, oh, I, I think I could do this. And then it opens this world for you that when I feel creativity is the gateway to your intuition. And so when I paint, I'm not painting the perfect flower, but what I've done is I've use it as meditation. It's very, it, it, it invites me to be in the moment. And when I'm in the moment, I'm out of my thinking head. I'm in my creative flow. I can feel that's when that new idea pops up. And all of us, this is not, this is not manifester. This is everyone. When you want to, you know, be in tune to the present moment, right? We need to get out of our thinking mind. And for me, it's art and journaling and spilling and playing and having fun with it because I don't want to be a perfectionist. I'm not doing this to be perfect. But what what you're saying about the simplicity of the art is I lean into watercolor because you can't control it. <laughs> and it's it's it gets me to go with the flow. And water and color, you can't, you just got to go. And so the wetter the paper is, a lot of times the more, the better it is for me because I'm not controlling it. And so as I focus on the flower, it's gotten me so in tune with the flower. I pay attention more to nature. I love to paint in nature. I love to tune into nature. And that's again, where I say, oh, there I am. And I think that's, you know, for everyone listening, it's like, what is that thing? And when is that moment where you're like, oh, that landed for me. I noticed a comment. Lynn says, um, in younger years, it was conditioned artistry out of me. I think she's saying that the artistry. And yeah, that's something my I know with my daughter and with me too. I remember, um, you know, loving art, but always feeling like it was something extra, like you could do when you had done everything else, right? Like if yes. there was time left for it and if... And if you could do it good enough to be somebody else seeing it as, as valuable and not, we didn't really encourage it. But, you know, my daughter's art, I still love it. I don't have anything handy, I don't think. But I have a beautiful, um, huge painting she did in high school where she had to build the, her canvas and she painted our dog. And it looks like, you know, and it's gorgeous. And I just love it because I love my dog and I love my daughter. And it's it down in our family room. And then, you know, stuff like that. But I remember she stopped doing a lot in art because so much of it was them trying to teach her certain skills and them telling her what to draw and what to create. Yes. And she's manifester. That didn't work, right? Yes. <laughs> well, right? Yes. Really learn understanding that you cannot tell a manifester how to use their energy at all. I mean, right. most of us need to have right. a certain amount of freedom, but you've really inspired me. I think today I'm going to go. I have an area I created down in my basement for, and I haven't done anything with it in a while. I said I was going to do more art, and I feel like, um, I feel like that's something that I, um, have not been making enough time for. And I did read, I did. Like I do many things. I am, and you have it too, that gate of starting things. <laughs> I've heard a lot of things. I started Julia Cameron's Artist Way, um, The Artist Way several times, um, but I never finished the book. I still have it. I might dig it out. Um, but the other book I really loved was, have you read um, Elizabeth Gilbert's mm-hmm. Big Magic? Yes. 
That was another one that was really um, inspiring in a creative way. And she, one of the things that I loved um, in her book was she talked about how sometimes we have a creative inspiration or an idea and we start it, but the universe finds the right person to finish it. Mm. And because you have all this starting things energy, this initiating energy. And I'm wondering how you have felt about not always finishing what you start and if you've been able to find the balance with that. Does that yeah, matter? it's a really good question. Well, for those of you sharing about, you know, having those, you know, creativity or artist wounds, I think most of us have that, you know, usually by about third grade adults, you know, we just have a memory of someone said we weren't good enough or the sky should be blue and, you know, put rules on it. And, um, that I think stifles us. I think that there is, you know, some people like Julia Cameron and art journaling and finding those avenues that you can play in a safe place and explore and express your creativity. You don't have to show anyone in the beginning that that's, and that's part of what she teaches. It's like, you know, it's okay. It's like a little baby. You want to take care of it for a while and nurture it and honor it and build power in that. And then eventually, and that's what happened with me. I mean, I'm married to a professional. He got recruited out of art school. That's, that's okay. his job is to make, but not just paint. Like he's like building these crazy sculptures. So for a lot of years, I, I paint and maybe show him something. And he went to art school. He's used to, um, having critiques. I don't, uh, maybe this is my manifesto. I don't want to critique. I don't want you to tell me how I to do it better. I just want you to tell me if you like it. Mm -mm, that doesn't work for him. He's like, well, okay, you could have, you know, and, and so it like, I'm not showing him anymore. And for a while I had to do that to build power and strength in my own creativity and find who I was as an artist. So this showing you this, my art and all that is very new for me. And in it's, in it's, I thank the flowers. <laughs> the flowers have made me brave because, um, it's opened a whole new world for me, um, to get to share in a different way. And you're absolutely right. I've had for about 10 years, I've wanted to make affirmation decks and journal prompt decks and guided journals. And I do this in course form, but I haven't made the tangible product yet. And one block I had was, I was like, oh, I have to find a graphic designer and I have to, there were so many things that I had to do. Once I started painting, I'm like, you know what? I can still lean into delegating and find the right team to help me manifest this but I can still share some of my artwork and I can write the decks. And so that is really, because honestly, I would try to do everything. I'd try to like, okay, let's see if I could get the printer. Like I would think through all the steps and now the right people have come to my life and will continue to help me bring these ideas that I don't have to do it from start to finish. And that, yes, thank you. Okay. You're getting lots of love, like a lot of hearts going in the chat. And I just have to say that I am feeling so much um, power in this conversation. And it's interesting because you, you have an undefined G mm -hmm. and you have the hanging gate 46, which is all about embodiment, right? 
and favorite word, right? And so how you just embody who you are and how you have come to really know who you are through the course of something like yoga, which was so instrumental, that makes so much sense. But what I am feeling right now with my Define G, and I also have the the hanging 46, but I have the channel 18 also and um, gate 13. But I'm feeling your amplification of my identity. Mm, now you're going to make me cry. Mm. It's really strong. Like I'm really feeling it. Like, you know, the open centers, we talk about how they amplify, take in energy and amplify it. And yes. often we see that as a negative. But right now it's really beautiful. Like it's really, really touching me. And I, yeah. yeah. And I hope that other people are feeling that in themselves too. And I just want to thank you because I feel like this has been a super, super special conversation for me. And um, we only have maybe about, what, five, six minutes left. And so if there's anybody who has any questions or comments, I'm going to look here and see if there's anything we missed that I should read to you. I think there are, but can I read? Teary eyes? Yes. Okay, there's a few things here. So, um, Okay. Um, yes, someone said, Lynn says, yes, your art on cards, beautiful sister, flow, water, colors, blending two colors, becoming another color. And then Christina says, yes, watercolor too. And that is my favorite part. You can't control it. And Ellen says, yes, I'm feeling like this is so aligned with what I needed to hear. Mm. Did I miss anything else? Those are all very beautiful, wonderful comments. Um, Katie, who is a a client of mine who and a member who I know has a very similar chart to yours. So I hope Katie's okay with me saying that. She said, this was earlier in the conversation, goodness, to hear that phrase, seeing how others wanted to squash that, that was, that hits home for me. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Uh, Lynn said, grand rising blessings. And I think um, we got a couple of hellos earlier than that. So but I feel like it's been really, really, okay. Katie says, can you possibly share a smidge about recognizing your splenic hits? Oh, that's good. Well, very similar. She okay. has that same 644. Yeah, that you uh, and that took me some practice too, Kate. And an open room. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks to all the people sharing in the comments. And if there's other questions from people who've watched this after the recording, I'm happy to hop into and answer questions. But I just love that. I love this time with you, Kathy. So thank you for asking me to share my story. This has been a true gift for me too. And the embodiment, the, the open G, I could do a whole show just on that. But to hear it from your perspective, Man, I mean, that's when I tune in with a group or with my one-on-one -on -one people. Like, that's the good stuff right there. I love that feeling. So thank you for reflecting that back to me. So the spleen, so I don't know. When I first learned about it, I read somewhere that it is helpful to learn about the lymphatic system. For me, that spoke to me because there was something about the lymph nodes in the body and thinking of them like lightning bugs. And I don't know where I've heard this. It's probably from all my, I'm mixing some things up. But what it feels like to me is like my inside lights up. And the best way I have found for myself to get in tune with that feeling is to, I don't even, you don't even have to meditate, but just stillness just quiet, 
So it could be if you're not into meditation, as an example, you could just make it a point to sit with your cup of tea or coffee and just drink it while it's hot and just look out the window and just breathe. Just connect to your breath and have some pauses, you know, and just like I said, oh, okay. I'm not all, you know, drawing your energy back to you in essence, just like, oh, I'm sitting on this chair. Here I am. I'm land. I've landed. And then if it's helpful, close your eyes to tune in. Like, what do I feel right now? You know, because the, the whole like trust your gut never really did speak to me. I don't feel a guttural, guttural response. It's when I say a splenic ping, it's like a, it just feels like I'm, I'm lighting up. And so and someone else told me this when I was first learning, and I think it's helpful, is to have an um, intuition journal. And anytime you get a splint where you're just like, oh, is that my intuition? Just write it down. Even if you don't act on it, just write it down. Because you might go back and go, oh, look at that. I did that. And look what happened from that. And it's like trusting yourself. Like, oh, and it might be small things at first, you know, like, gosh, I'm feeling this call to, to just call my mom right now. Or I feel like I just need to see if my neighbor's doing okay. Just trusting those little hits, intuitive hits. So that when the bigger things come, like, is this the time to look for a new job? Is this the time to, to move out of this neighborhood? You can know what that feels like in your body. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I'll, I'll watch to see if there's any um, elaboration type of. Um, so um, to see if there's any more questions about the split of kits. But what, I, oh, here she said, thank you so much for sharing about your journey in recognizing split of kits. I'm learning to be still and sit in quietness and acknowledgement of the present. I greatly appreciate the tips and insights. And then Grace says, intuition journal is such a great way to start to learn to trust yourself. I appreciate the reminder to go back and read. And then someone, um, Lynn says, I like to call those cosmic whispers. Yes. Um, so I will just say that I have a defined spleen, but my authority is um, emotional authority. So in my journey, I really never paid a whole lot of attention to learning about my spleen until it made me pay attention. And I've told many people the story and I'll tell just a short version of it because we're um, just about done here. But I had ignored my intuition that said, don't get on this bicycle. And I got on it because I had driven to this place to try this bike to see if I wanted to buy it. And my intuition said, don't get on this bicycle. And I ignored it because my brain said, you drove all this way, just get on it. You know, you don't want it. You know, you don't like it. Just get on it, drive it for a minute and then go home. Well, I immediately got on it, moved one pedal forward and fell straight over the front, fell down, scraped my knee, but no one could even see that because my pants were covering it and was so triggered, so triggered. Like I kind of overreacted like, I don't want this bike. I don't want it. You know, I, and then I kept thinking, why did I respond that way? And through the course of tapping, I got all these memories of times where I had been doing things that at first I was just like, these were all like normal things. Why did I fall on this bike? Why did I fall off that ladder? Why did I 
Why did I lose my ski and, you know, wipe out on this mountain? Why did I get thrown off that horse? All these things over my life are coming up. And at first I was like, because I can't trust my body, you know, can't do normal things. And then as I'm tapping on it, I was like, I, I get this like huge knowing of like, because you don't listen. Mm. Yes. And I knew right then that I had rationalized going against my intuition in all of those situations. And I had done things because other people wanted me to do them, or I worried what they would think about me saying no, and I'd done them anyway. And that was when I first, that's when I could then know, I re, in hindsight, was like, oh, that was my spleen talking to me. And now I know what my spleen feels like. And it was such an, um, it was such a, you know, in hindsight. Absolutely. You know, when you feel like, um, I don't know who I am, or I don't know what I'm passionate about, or I don't know what I value. Sometimes the opposite is the most helpful. Well, do you know what you don't like? You don't value. So what you're suggesting and is awesome is like, remember the times when you didn't listen or what it felt like in your body when you knew you were doing something that was that your body was alerting you in some way. And just getting in tune with that is going to help you feel even more when it's a yes, right? And then I want to give a shout out. For some reason, it's um, coming to share the emotion code for anyone listening, because um, when Grace mentioned, you know, trusting ourselves like that mantra, I trust myself, I trust myself, I trust myself. And being able, the emotion code is really um, muscle testing and it's learning how to, to tune in and ask those yes or no questions. It doesn't, I don't work for everyone, but I found that that's a, another nice light tapping where it just might speak to some yes. to help you trust yourself, tune into that inner trust. So, oh, I feel like we could talk for another hour, but I need to respect everybody's time. And, um, I just really, really enjoyed this and maybe we'll have to do a follow-up on some other little stuff sometime, but um, probably after I get off the roof here after the summer, <laughs> right? Okay. So I, um, again, thank you for everyone and, um, watching and all the comments and, you know, if there's more questions, questions or comments in posted later, you know, Shannon will come back and answer or I'll answer where it's appropriate. And um, I just want to say next week, just so you know, I'm leaning towards not having Sunday story hour. I know boohoo, but I'm going to be at the beach and I just don't know if I can um, do that. But the week after that, I'm really excited. Our um, guest, if everything goes according to plan, is going to be um, the Empowered Projector author, Evelyn Levinson. So um, I hope that everybody will enjoy speaking with her. She's splenic also. So, okay. So okay. thank you so much, Shannon. This was so great. I'm going to end the, um, I'm going to end the live here. So bye guys. <laughs>